Hey guys. Hello. Hi. Ah. It's a bit of a delay. Is this this isn't going to be a problem, is I it? I think that was a deliberate delay because um, I think Rach and me both thought, "Who's going to say it first? And I, I took the plunge in a strong act, strong act of leadership. You took the lead. <laughs> no, this is what happens when Hugh's on holiday. He gets refreshed and ideas above his station. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> shall we? Uh, shall we get on with it? Let's do it. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Hello. 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 I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Rachel Nemeth. <laughs> and I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 109 of the Real Reading Podcast. You can give us a like on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can search Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook as well. Um, this week we are discussing the headlines, which includes uh, the Purple Turtle uh, and some quite emotional statements from from the business regarding the uh, from the no, sorry not even the business the Reading Institution regarding the um, regarding the current curfew. Um, we also have uh, a bit on a bit of a follow up on the COVID marshals that we were talking about uh, last week, and uh, we are also. Uh, I can't remember who, I don't know who it was that tracked him down, but someone has tracked down the Reading man who sent the first ever text message, which is great. I'm looking forward to uh, to discussing that one. Um, as well as that, we speak to Hannah Lowther, a young West End star who's making the best of the current situation, um, given that all of the theatres, uh, and especially on the West End, have all been shut down. Um, but she's been busy cheering us all up on TikTok, and we've had a good chat with her, so look out for that. A little bit later on um coming up over the next few weeks we've got a few uh, great guests um to to put before you uh we speak to special sergeant mm adebola uh who is excellent on twitter worth looking him up um we've got friend of the show james carter who will be speaking about uh, world mental health day which is next month october the 10th i believe and we've also uh, managed to get hold of two rivers press who are the publisher of some of hugh's favorite books that, that's right, isn't it, Hugh? I've, I've remembered that correctly. Yes, that is correct, Jess. The, uh, the uh, Bar- Bizarre Berkshire um, yes. book, where I got the alien story from we talked about last week, um, is excellent. And there are various others. Um, it's very much a focus on sort of quirky local history coming from there. And um, they very kindly uh, send me the copies of these books. Um, and they're all very good. Very interesting. Excellent. excellent. Um. Okay, well, in the meantime, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. 
thanks very much, Jeremy. Hugh, is that you moving around all over the place again? Yes. Yeah, so, sorry, my mate. It sounded my... like you were blowing up a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely or wasn't. A baby elephant had moved it's... in. <laughs> just... Oh look! Now I've just dropped a coaster. <laughs> Oh my word! It did that thing where it sticks to the bottom of your glass yeah. and then fell off. Sorry about that. That's all right. I promise to make no noise whatsoever. Um, however, I, I wanted to bring something to your attention. Uh, this is something I picked up off Twitter over the last week or so. Um, we've had a new—is it or, an order ordained? Is that what happened when when you get sainted? What happened? Mm. What, what do you yeah, call it? You get sainted. Right. Uh, is it right, yeah. or is it canonite canonized? Is that right? I'm not sure. No, surely that'd be a canon, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> if only you'd look this up before you started, Tom. Yeah. Oh uh, no! When you're canonized, you are. It's in the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, officially declare a dead person to be a saint. There we go. Oh, I was right. I was absolutely right. So we have a new saint in town, and this is. Uh, I, I don't know if you. I don't know if you'll be familiar with Saint Ndard. N-D-A-R-D. No, what have they done? Um, the patron saint of curry. Oh, which, is fantastic, which is fantastic news. Uh, I, I've long thought that uh, the, the humble curry dish deserved some sort of uh, cultural icon to really push things forward. It's a shame we had to wait for Mr. Ndard to uh, to pass on because I'd have loved to have me met him or her. I'm not sure whether man or no. In all seriousness, this is a uh, <laughs> this is a humorous tweet that I saw during the week from a chap called Gordon Ball uh, at GRG Ball on Twitter um, who spotted that the A had fallen down from the standard Tandoori sign on uh, Cavisham Road and is now St Andard which is which is marvelous news so um I thought uh, I just wondered whether we there were other things in in Reading that deserved a patron saint of something traffic oh, oh yes very good the patrons oh dear me the patron um... saint of traffic would be <laughs> Does it not suggest if so you're going to become a saint be, of something? It suggests ego. you're already brilliant at it. Though. You could be the patron saint of traffic in Reading. Could be Saint Asianary. That's really quite good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody on on board Saint, with that one. Saint yeah. Asianary. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much. That's what happens when I take time off work. Refresh. <laughs> patron saint of concrete. We've got a lot of that going on. Yes. Yep. Um, patron saint of uh, sandwiches. Sandwiches? Are we famous for our sandwiches? <laughs> well, yes. In shed, you mean? Yes, shed, and uh, what's the other one? The um, Pierre's. Pierre's baguette. Oh yeah, I do like a Pierre's baguette. Yeah. So good. We're good at sandwiches. I think. That's if you something. had cheese, if you had cheese in your sandwich, it could be Saint Ilton. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> should we? Should we move on swiftly before he uh, absolutely ruins this with an absolute uh, misery one in a minute? Well, uh, Aren't there some uh, other establishments though, Tom? Like that have names that sort of lend themselves to a bit of comedy and uh, branching out. As we were talking, 
yeah, <laughs> we're trying I, I... to remember in our planning meeting <laughs> some like comedy uh, shots. Have you forgotten them all, or are you just going to make f- me say them all? Because no, I've, I've forgotten all of them. Well, <laughs> you, guess, you <laughs> I started off with the walk and roll. Yes, <laughs> and then you you went with uh, the knob shop. That yes, with the knob shop, which was great. London Street. <laughs> <laughs> and then that made me remember uh, in my repping days many moons ago a shop in Bracknell called um, Bullcock and Bits, that which always made me chuckle when I had to go and see them. They're apparently still there. They are indeed, yes. They're just down and it is a completely name. innocent name, all plumbing yeah. related. But it's it is just indeed. my dirty mind that <sighs> twisted and that. I think we'll just we'll just end this swiftly with um, me remembering now that we've started talking about this that when we used to uh, in the old back in the old days when we were when we were young, free and single and out on the town, Rach and I used to sleep on your couch. Um, we'd go to uh, Mamaris Kebab Shop on the Cavisham Road, and I'd oh, have yes. I'd amuse amusingly always say we're going to Mamaris. <laughs> that was just your wishful thinking. Yeah. I, I'd always think that was hilarious, and it's not really. It's very juvenile. But and I am I am above such things these days. As per ten years ago, I gave it a polite chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> that is great, great, great memories, guys. Great memories of oh, the old days. Stick memories. <laughs> Go, Hugh. You should go on holiday more often. You. It's, you're comedy gold today. <laughs> Had a good sleep. Good. <laughs> right, shall we uh, move on to the news? Yes. Hi, guys. Welcome back. It is news time. Um, some. <laughs> I don't know whether it's big news. It's just we, we talked about it briefly last week. Um covid marshals potentially coming to reading um but actually it turns out that we won't be having any covid marshals because reading borough council have decided that they're not gonna crack on with it which is a uh whether whether that i don't know if it's a bit of a shame or i don't i can't remember really how i felt about it um i think we did decide that it perhaps wasn't a job that we fancied doing but um yes it certainly looks like there will be no covid marshals in reading um do, what do we think? Is that is this a good thing? Do we think that COVID? I suppose none of us have really been into town at all, particularly. So, um, whether whether we feel I don't know whether we can really answer that question. Um, but certainly, uh, the jobs had been advertised, and so hopefully, no one had actually gone to the effort of wasting any time applying for them. Um, Reading Borough Council says it's not considering introducing them in Reading at this time. Um, thoughts. Um, well, I think to police the whole of, well, not police, that's not the right word, is it? To marshal the whole of yes. Reading. Um, that's going to take quite a few people to do that, surely. Because yeah. it's not just marshalling in the town centre and, you know, checking that pubs have kicked out at 10 o'clock or whatever. It's meant to be making sure that people aren't having large gatherings at their homes and yeah. so on and so forth so I, I guess if you were to have enough people to kind of ca- cover the whole of the town and the, the suburbs and I think this was the point of the council in the yeah. article who's going to pay for that 
Yeah. It says, um, it, it, the article says the uh, adverts were placed speculatively by a security company. Uh, and the council says, in light of the lack of guidance from government on the job role and enforcement powers of COVID marshals, or where we would find these people, and the fact that there is currently no government funding for local authorities to introduce them, the council is not considering introducing them in Reading at this time. Um, Hugh, Hugh, you'll be very familiar with the, the financial uh, issues and burdens that the council has at the moment and it won't be a surprise I'm sure that they aren't going to be going ahead with this without any sort of help financial help it's pretty well that statement's pretty damning isn't it it yeah. basically says you want us to have COVID marshals and you expect us to pay for pay for them but you haven't told us at all what's required <laughs> and you're not giving us any help and therefore we're not going to do it which is yeah because we, we haven't got any money you know that's that's kind of what's been happening throughout this where the government comes up with an idea and then somebody somebody says oh yes we'll recruit these people and then there's no indication of how, it, how it's going to be paid for who's going to run it or anything like that and Reading Council quite rightly has said if they're not going to give us any information about what we're expected to do we're not going to we're not going to fund these roles so <laughs> so um, it's just another thing in the long list of things that are just actually turning out to be a complete waste of time and effort i hope feel very sorry for anyone who's applied for any of these jobs particularly as you had to do some sort of training as well to yeah. be able to apply so i hope no one's done pay for an online course in the hope of applying for one of these jobs and then found out actually they don't exist um it just sounds like a uh, you know another i don't want to I don't know if I can use the term. It sounds like another cock-up, really, coming from from above. Um, and uh, Reading Council's just sort of saying, we're not going to facilitate it unless, I think, unless you give us some money to do it. Um, and that, you know, that'll take that'll take months to, months to come there, come in anyway now. Um, and so it's almost certainly not going to happen. So Would they on. have to have a security personnel um yeah we, qualification didn't they yeah i think we established yeah. last week you needed a, a certain level of security uh, qualification to even do this in the first place so yeah it does seem it does seem a little bit um oh just uh, well i think we could go down a long road here of um <laughs> of general balls ups but i, I think i think it's, it's often it seems to me to be sound bites a lot of the time from from the government without actual thought of how these things are going to be implemented and this seems like just another one as you say Hugh. Yeah and especially at this point in time where you know so many people have been affected by job losing their jobs and if they saw that role come up and thought right okay so the, the bar that I worked at is not reopened this is something I could do mm. instead great bit of hope going through the rigmarole, rigmarole of applying for it and then, you know, getting knocked back before you even started. Yeah. I, mean, I know from experience of friends who were in similar situations that it really does knock your confidence and the fact that you're in a boat with lots of people doesn't make any difference to that. Yeah. So to then have your confidence knocked again by being told, oh, yeah, actually it was a pretend job in the first place is yeah. not cool. Well, we will be we will be talking to someone a little later on who has been through that sort of situation with um, their their line of work not reopening just yet and 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 having to take a job uh, elsewhere. We'll we'll be covering that, but uh, this kind of moves us on nicely to um, 
another one of these these sort of recent uh, edicts that has that has been put in place and this is the the 10 p.m closure of pubs bars and and restaurants uh which has hit quite heavily uh, across the country uh, and one of reading's most famous sort of legendary bars uh, the purple turtle has had its say on the situation um and uh, the bar manager, uh, Stuart McNaught, has put out a statement on the Purple Turtle Facebook page um, to do with uh, what was going on. And he says the biggest concern now is how long this will go on for and how long we as a pub will go on for. Um, it's too early to say. Obviously, I'm a bit emotional. People want to do fundraising for us, but we're not at that stage yet. Uh, the Purple Turtle has been on Gun Street or, or in and around Gun Street for around for about 30 years through recessions and that kind of thing. So um, it's obviously the, the, the key thing here is that the Purple Turtle is a late night venue. Um, and there are a number of late night venues around Reading. Um, but the Turtle is obviously a fav an absolute favourite. And there has since been uh, a further statement from the Turtle, which I'll, I'll read about, I'll read out in a, in a few minutes. But uh, obviously, yeah, this this curfew's come in, and it's it's hit thing, it's hit pubs and bars and restaurants hard. Um, Hugh, you were saying um, there doesn't you, you you were saying there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence um, to suggest that it that it's a helpful curfew. No, I did a piece on this um, before I went off. I spoke to a few different people, and the sort of general messages that one from a restaurant point of view: if you close at ten, that means you're going to have to start turning people away. Um, who want to eat from about nine o'clock. So it's not like so any kind of walk-in late, late-ish food trade is going to be very, very difficult. Likewise, you're going to, if someone is in and they're taking their time and having a few drinks and a chat, you're going to have to start coming up to them saying, I'm really sorry, you know, the curfew's coming. Can you finish up? Um, which is not, not why anyone, any customer wants really. And it's not what, what, uh, a restaurant owner wants to do they don't the last thing they want to do is to kick someone out before they've offered them the cheese board and the coffee or whatever and um, <laughs> and uh and they, they were saying as well sort of from a health health point of view it doesn't make any sense because it sort of go, it goes back to the old days of um rach i'm sure you remember when all the pubs used to kick out at 11 o'clock in, in reading <laughs> why is that directed at me <laughs> Because Being Tom a... never used to go to Reading because he's from Bracknell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so you get a mass spillage of people out onto the streets all at the same time and to the point where the government eventually changed the licensing laws because there was so much... So it was like the Wild West where everyone was in the same place at the same time trying to get home. Um, mm. And he says... it. Then they were saying, you know, from a health point of view, it's exactly the same. You've got all the, all the people who are in town on the streets at the same time. Uh, potentially infecting each other, potentially fighting with each other, um, and all trying to get home, having had probably too much alcohol to to drive. So it just seems that the general view is just it's it's just a bit pointless in terms of in terms of trying to curb the spread of coronavirus, and it's having a massive going to have a massive financial impact of of them. A lot of them saying they have to reduce. They're trying not to get rid of their staff, but they're going to have. They're reducing the their hours are reducing anyway because of the curfew, and they probably have to reduce them even more. And the kitchens are closing earlier, um, and generally speaking, um, 
places like the moderation which i spoke to said that the the uh the sort of two hours up until midnight which is what their license is at the weekend after after people have had their dinner and stuff like that there's just people in the pub drinking that's a big big earner for them which they've lost and um they don't really understand why the point of it how how it helps well i drove home from somewhere on friday night last week and um it was about quarter past 10, I think, and I drove through Caversham and it was the busiest on the streets that I've seen it mm. ever, possibly. There was like big groups of people outside the, the little Tesco, people at the kebab van, people wandering about. It was really, really busy for exactly that reason that you just said, Hugh, that, you know, if the pubs and bars are open for, for longer, people leave when they've had enough at staggered times, naturally rather than en masse. And all that's happening is people are leaving the pub, going to the Tesco or whatever, wherever they happen to be, stocking up on some booze and taking it home because you're not ready for your evening to finish just yet at 10 o'clock. It just makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. And with the Purple Turtle and any other establishment like them who, who are predominantly a late-night venue... I don't understand what difference it makes if you've restricted the number of people coming into the, the place in the, anyway, which they have bouncers there all the time, so they can do that. What difference does it make if you're sat with a pint at half past yeah. nine or half past one in the morning? It, it, I, COVID doesn't have a curfew where it suddenly comes out at five past ten, so I don't understand what, the logic. I think this what what... They'll probably so, do a U-turn on it because that's what seems to happen. What what this all seems to do, all this really seems to do, is seem to take people away from just the fact that we need to try and stop spreading this virus, which is stopping us all from doing what what we want to do, what we want to our sort of normal lives. I know there's lots of people who've who've, who've quite enjoyed the lockdown because it's it's changed the way they've done things and it's made it's made big positive differences to their lives but ultimately the whole thing is to try and stop the spread of this virus and i i just feel like all of these curfews and 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 i'm starting to feel like all of these curfews and ideas and stuff and covid marshals it all just sort of it's avoiding the fact that the message really just should be stay two meters apart from each other be sensible and we'll 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 beat it. And I know I am, I know I am not a doctor or a professor or a medical professional in any way, but I I'd like to think I know a little bit about getting a message out. And all of this does is just confuse things, and and takes people away from that core idea that we need to be smart and sensible and steer clear of each other. Really, if you're on a if you're in a pub that's got tables separate from each other, then I you know then that's being smart and sensible whilst also trying to have a normal life. Absolutely. And if you're putting things in place, like, like the standard, like the stay apart, wear your mask yeah. when you're meant to, sanitise your hands regularly, wash your hands regularly, people are on board with those kind of things yeah. for the majority. Yeah. But when you start implementing things that feel nonsensical, then people are just confused frustrated yeah. and irritated by it and they're not going to adhere to it because it it doesn't make sense yeah and i'm not i'm not necessarily it's not necessarily the fault of social media the media or anything like that but 
it's just all because of these uh, these enhanced ways that that we have of putting stuff out there. You know, even even our podcast is another form of, and us even talking about it now is another form of, you know, making more noise about it. It, it just it's an excuse it gives everybody you know we don't need all these extra reasons to be talking about all these different things it should just be really straight simple follow the real basic rules that we had at the very start and that whole thing to me seems to have got lost yeah and it'd be really straightforward to switch it back and just go right back to, was, it, was it john major that said back to basics <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't think he had John Major quoted on the podcast, <laughs> no, no, and I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I always used to, he he used to fascinate me because he, when I was a kid, because clearly everybody in the country hated him, but he seemed to to just carry on. And now, when I see him at the cricket, I sort of feel slightly, uh, you know, just just a gentle sort of oh yeah, just John Major, just watching the cricket, enjoying himself. I feel like he probably deserves a break. Is anyway. he as grey in real life as he appears? <laughs> so, oh, spitting image. Is yes. his spitting image character? Yeah. He's only eat peas with his wife Norma. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've just sorry. I've just been sidetracked by the fact that there is a gigantic spider crawling down the wall in our in the room just adjacent to me. Oh, lovely! Um, which is marvellous. Uh, so. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to point to my wife uh, just up there in the corner. Is she going to be brave enough to remove it? I don't know. Oh, she tried to get in the other night and he ran away. I'm sorry, listeners don't necessarily need to know about the antics of the spider in my house, but uh, I'm certainly not going to cut this bit out. And should we move on just to the last bit, which I think is a slightly lighter, slightly lighter bit? Um, which is uh, Neil Papworth, the Reading man who sent the first ever text message. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago in the um, Heritage Trail piece. Uh, but he was tracked down. Hugh, do you know who tracked him down? Was it you? Yeah. I can't remember. How did you track me. him down? And I found him on Facebook. <laughs> like, ah. the, uh, <laughs> I, I think you were, you were hoping for a tale of incredible sleuthery there. I was, I, yes. I, I tracked back through his, his history and worked out you know, found him working in Canada, and uh, but now I found him on Facebook and recognised a picture, his picture <laughs> from stuff we've had before of him. So, um, sorry, sorry, it's not Aww. very interesting. But I, uh, I interviewed him. I zoomed, zoom called with him, which was okay. quite cool. Um, and he told me the tale of the first ever text message back in nineteen ninety. What fascinates me about this story is that, so, so me and Rach especially have worked on, you know, projects for for the company that we're in, and you know, he this this guy from from reading his story, he was just working on a project for Vodafone. It just so happened that that project became the the sort of the world a world phenomenon phenomenon of text messaging, and he happened to send send the first. It could happen to any one of us, any one of us, Rach. Could have been you or me. Yeah, I wonder if he knew at the time that did he, this is going to be like world changing. Did he allude to anything like that, Hugh? Because I didn't see well, anything said, like that in the story. No, no. He said, um, he said, he, you know, it was what they were. The aim was to start to to move from to add messaging to because at, at the time in 1992 you could only make phone calls yeah. from mobile phones. Um, so yeah, there was there was yeah. He, I don't think he thought that that message would be the only one that ever got sent. Um, he would uh, he would he would have been thinking um, 
that this would be the start of something, but I, I can't imagine anyone would would have then uh, got, would have thought at that time, you know, how many billions and trillions and zillions and squillions would get sent um, um, get sent every day around the world because of that that first um, that first test, if you like, that he did back in 1992. Um, I well, didn't I was even thinking... have a mobile phone until 1998, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I think I was 1998 when I first got my Nokia. The 3210. Nokia. No, I didn't even have the 3210. I think it was, I can't even remember what it was called, 3110, was it? And it was a little... It had snake little, on it though, right? It had snake and a little aerial yeah. at the top as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I first got it, I had a deal where you could only, you, you could, it was pay as you go, but you, you only allow, you got 10 free messages a day but you were only allowed to send 10 messages a day and then you yes. had to wait. So, so in those days, like you'd be having a chat with someone at about 11 o'clock at night and then you'd run out <laughs> of messages and have to wait until midnight to be able to send you your next allocation as well. <sighs> that deal was scuppered pretty quickly, obviously. Um, but yeah, he sent his first message to um, a guy at, in Newbury from Reading um, and he sent it from a computer and, uh, such was the time that there was no way of him, the bloke who got the message successfully being able to reply to the message because he, A, you couldn't send any back anyway. And obviously he was working on a computer. And so there was this comical situation where he'd sent the message, had no idea whether it had been received. And then about, I don't know, 20 minutes later or something, someone rung someone else in the room to say, I've got the message <laughs> on their giant mobile phone. <laughs> and um, he said, you know that was uh, it was a great success it was at some company do and he was presenting to the big wigs and yeah. so he was able to show them his phone with his message on and uh but like the actual two-way messaging didn't have didn't happen um for another couple of years so you at the time you were only able to send a message to someone who then couldn't respond to it but i guess <laughs> i quite know the details because presumably someone could then send you a message back at some point from their phone but maybe he had to type out a new message. I don't, I don't know. It's a very interesting story. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said it was a lot of pressure, um, especially when he sent when he sent it and did everything he thought was, was right and then didn't know this, whether the guy got it or not. <laughs> um, but he said it, he was quite humble about it. He said that the main reason it was him was because he actually lived in Bracknell at the time and he, he lived nearest. So he was the one who had to hot fit it up and down the, uh, the A329 into town <laughs> to, um, to, to go and do these sort of tests at strange times yeah and he was surrounded by he he was his boss was um at the company do one end it, it was a christmas do so he sent a message merry merry christmas and uh, he said it was like in men a scene in men in black because he was surrounded by he at the other end was surrounded by company bigwigs in all their suits as well who all nervously wait surrounded him while everyone <laughs> waited to see if the message had sent or not so it was all very exciting he lives in canada now and um Oh, lucky he, him! Yeah, and uh, he—he's—he's uh, uh, he's quite a humble guy. He's quite a normal, normal chap. But obviously, he's quite proud of what what it's turned into. And he says that you know, when he says it to his kids' friends, they don't believe him and have to go away and Google him and and stuff <laughs> like that. So uh, it was—it's quite a nice tale, and it's a very interesting first, I think. Yeah, definitely. You'd love, you'd love telling you'd love telling people <laughs> that, wouldn't you? Oh, I would. I definitely would. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he doesn't say he invented them um, because he, um, you know, he's just part of the team which sort of was testing the, them. But um, you know, 
if ever I met anyone, that'd be one of the first things I'd tell yeah. them. Yeah. Got phone? Got phone? Yeah, yeah. Text I'd, find, <laughs> I'd find a way to get it, to squeeze it in there somehow. <laughs> it would be one way, that'd be one way of getting people to stop getting their phones out while you were in, oh, that Hugh's here again. If I get my phone out, he's going to tell me how he sent the first <laughs> oh, God. I just, I'm going to have to leave it. I'm going to have to oh. be one way of stopping it. <laughs> Text, texting are you oh right, okay yeah, 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 yeah. oh here we go again yeah i know a bit about that <laughs> <laughs> right um that is it for part one in part two we'll be chatting to reading's own tiktok star hannah lowther the big interview Hi, everybody. I am here with Hannah Lowther, and I have been sort of spending, I've spent a bit more time than I normally would trying to think of a clever sort of introduction to this piece because, uh, you know, uh, I, th I think that I felt like that was something that I should possibly do, but I, I can't. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not that talented, at least not as talented as my guest currently. Hannah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. Um, now, I don't know if everybody has TikTok. Um, it's only something that I've recently downloaded myself. But I was sent uh, a link to, to some videos that you've been doing. And so, so let, let's just let's get a little bit of background on you, um, Hannah. You you were on the West End stage, is that right? Yeah. So I've sort I've been performing my whole life. Yeah. Um, I did some stuff in the West End, um, sort of when I was a bit younger, um, and I went to do my training. So I did some training at Italia Conti and at the London School of Musical Theatre um, and I graduated from there in so last summer 2019 right. um, so did panto sort of getting my career going and then uh, Covid happened <laughs> so obviously everything closed so um, the career prospects at that time weren't looking great yeah. hopefully it will get back um, but so yeah that's so you you've kind of you basically you you've you've gone you've got a job you, you and you're now you're currently working at tesco uh at reading tesco um we we sort of we decided just to keep it a little bit vague um there are plenty of tescos to choose from um so so how are you how are you finding things it's obviously it's obviously a change in your career i don't i don't want to come across as like it's it, you know it, it, it is what it is people have to make ends meet and uh, how are you finding that that sort of transition um, honestly, I've been there for six months now, so yeah. it's just sort of the new normal for me at the moment. Um, but I, I just think as performers and um, people, you know, actors and creative people, we're quite used to having to, you know, have a job on the side or do different things because you're never, it's never going to be a full-time job. So you might get a contract, for example, in the West End, but it will be a nine-month contract or a ten-month contract and then you won't walk straight into the next show or the next job. So you do have to do stuff in between. So I think we're all sort of quite used to just doing whatever, really. You've, you've got to pay bills. Yeah. So you just, you've got to do what you've got to do. And um, I was actually really lucky to get the job at Tesco because it's such a hard time at the moment for people to get jobs. And obviously all the retail stuff went pretty quickly. So I was really lucky with that. Um, and so close to home as well. I just don't have to travel. So yeah. yeah. 
I'm I'm enjoying it. <laughs> that, that must make a bit bit of a difference. There, as I, I've I've travelled into London myself for work at times mm. as well, and, and and I now work actually in Reading where I live again, and and that that almost kind of makes it worth it at times, doesn't it? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just nice. Um, sort of, I, it's the industry, such a, it's, it's quite intense. So in a way, it's been quite nice to sort of get away from that for a little while because it can be it can be overwhelming. You know, you're you're facing rejections every day. You're having to compete against some of your best friends, and it's it's very competitive industry. So. I'm not saying I want to work at Tesco um, forever because I do have a, such a passion for musical theatre, but it has been quite nice to sort of get away from that for a little while and just sort of focus on yeah. you know, on life. <laughs> <laughs> Musicals with the jazz yeah. <laughs> well, you you say that, but the, and obviously the reason the reason that we're speaking to you is because, as as I say, as I alluded to earlier, you you've been you've been quite busy on on TikTok filming videos yeah. within Tesco, and and some of these have been viewed. Uh, I, th- I think one of the I think the most popular ones been viewed two point four million times, which is um, which yeah. in terms of TikTok is that a lot? I I, I, I don't um, have a a, a, ref- a reference point. It is a lot. Yeah. Well, to start with, it wasn't. And it was like at one million. I was like, oh, okay, that's really good. But you know, in terms of TikTok, any random video or <laughs> a cat or a donkey can get a million views. But like now, it's sort of gone a step further. Two point yeah. four million. I I think about like how many times that's been watched. I'm like, so much time has been spent watching me <laughs> around the world of Tesco. It's just a bit crazy, really. Um, but yeah, yeah, trying to get that. You've done a you've done an awful lot of videos now, and but I, I think some of my favourite ones. Just just going through some of those are the are the the videos around the things in my Tesco job that remind me of my musical theatre career. There, yeah. I, I think those are those are excellent. So, in terms of in terms of doing these, just how how do you do? When do you do them? I I, I gather there's not people in the shop when you're doing them. Um, yes, there is. Surprisingly, oh, okay. <laughs> I just have no game. Um, no, uh, when it's not busy, I do it. Um, there's because we're a Tesco Express, it's not sort of packed all the time. Um, so there'll be times when there's no customers. I'm like, quick, get my phone out really quickly and just think of a TikTok and whack it out. And sometimes I haven't even pre-thought of it and I'm just like, okay, I'll just like do something weird. And <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the ones that actually do better where I just sort of do it on the spot. Um, but yeah, and my colleagues have caught me a few times. <laughs> they just find it funny. I think they they quite enjoy. I think they quite enjoy having someone that is just sort of shaking things up a bit and just yeah. <laughs> being a bit crazy. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, you you won't be the only person from from sort of stage and screen that has had to kind of go and and I, I almost want to say sort of just get a normal sort of nine to five job but even working at Tesco isn't and isn't a nine to five job is it it's uh, right. it's it's like you know I, I noticed I saw I think Jason Manford the comedian's done bits and pieces and all sorts of different people yeah. have, have done bits do you think this is is something that that obviously you know as you say on a on kind of on a on a regular basis be on the stage you're having to do these kinds of things is is this something that you would recommend people did do you think I think it's good character building definitely um, I've experienced some things in this Tesco <laughs> that I'm like, I have, I feel like I've led a very sheltered life up until now because I'm, there things happen and I'm like, I can't believe people do that or I can't believe 
I don't know. There's just some crazy things, and I think it has it has helped me build as a as a character. I think I'm a bit more thick skinned now. When I first went in, I was like, "What?" On, on my first day, there was a shoplifter, and I'm like, most dramatic person ever. And all of a sudden, someone's like, "Oh yeah, that was a shoplifter." I was like, "Oh my gosh, call the police!" And they're like, "No, no, <laughs> it happens every day." So like, just getting used to different things, but also. Again, as actors, I think we're quite good at just putting on a, a friendly face or just adapting really quickly. Um, and I think that's what that's what I try to do. So yeah, when you get when you get a difficult customer, um, I think I'm sort of quite good at talking. And I don't know, I just sort of I don't know, just try and smile, put on a smile, <laughs> even if it's really hard. <laughs> Uh, so, so on on last week's podcast, we've had uh, John and uh, John Luther, who is the artistic director at South Street Art Centre. I kind of we, we've we've talked a bit about TikTok. I want to kind of move on to a little bit kind of about the the arts in general, which I know obviously you. I feel like you can you can be a little bit of a spokesperson for. But we we had John on talking about uh, a local uh, South Street Art Centre in in Reading, which is just sort of trying to get things back underway. How what do you think kind of about the arts and especially locally? What's your experience of of that? I'm not I'm not massively clued up on the local arts unfortunately I only really moved to Reading at the end of last year so sort of just before all of this so it's <laughs> hard I would love to get involved in things like that but it's it's been quite hard obviously at this time with everything being closed um for, with the arts in general I think it's just um it's just a shame that so many people view it as a hobby because it is a hobby for so many people you know mm take your kids to dance classes or you know they do piano lessons or but then they don't carry on because it's just their hobby and I think people don't realize that this is a career people this is our livelihood this is our yeah. passion and this is how we make money and pay the bills so um I think it's hard it's hard for a lot of people because they're having to think all of this time and energy I've put into learning my trade and it does take a lot of energy to do. I think lots of places they don't have student loans at these performing arts colleges. Um, you went, you know. So um, yeah, it's it's hard because you have to face the fact that maybe that might never happen. That career that you wanted your whole life might never happen for you, and you're the only thing stop. It's it's not you that's stopping it. If that makes sense, yeah. it's something. It's a bigger a bigger thing. Which is a big thing, obviously. Um, but yeah, tart. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I, I did a little bit of research, which is very unusual for me. Um, but I, I picked up that you've been in it. You were uh, you were big in the Basingstoke Gazette a few times, but oh, yeah. sort of eight, eight or ten. Um, and I, I know um, you said in there. I think uh, in one of them, um, you was your dream to be in the Sound of Music or or Oliver, uh, and a couple of those. What what kind of what's what's the future hold? What are you? What what is your sort of next dream? What what's the big show that you want to be in? Um, I've always wanted to be in Legally Blonde. Right. How well you know it, but it's it's such a typical blonde girly girl musical. But it's just so feel good. And I was thinking about this the other day. I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, I only want to do it from the West End." And but that's for me. If you, my view is just if you love performing enough. And I know I'm trying to say, "Oh, it's a career, not a hobby." But just performing in any way should you know bring you joy and 
yeah, I'd love to be in Legally Blonde. I don't care where. <laughs> my lounge. <laughs> That's live stream. I do a one woman show. No, I'd love to do that. Anything, honestly, anything. I just love performing. And <laughs> it's great connecting with other people that love it as well. So it's just that buzz you get in a rehearsal room and in the dress rehearsal and in the change dressing rooms and I, I just said changing rooms. That's how out of out of focus I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rooms for your football game. No, the dressing rooms, darling. Um yeah, it, you just get such a buzz from it with other people as well. And it, it, yeah. Um, I, I was just wondering, just sort of, just to kind of round off and, and go back to that sort of that sort of TikTok focus yeah. that we had. Um, what what did Tesco make of it? Have they have they said anything? I could sort of yeah. see advertising coming up for you, perhaps in the future. Well, I keep hinting at being hired <laughs> for the next Tesco advert, but I've not heard anything. No, my my actual store, so my store manager and all the staff there are all really supportive of it, and. Um, you know, as long as I, I keep it pretty PG, I keep it completely PG and very positive. I don't think Tesco would really have anything bad to say about it. It's just free advertising for them at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to do something with Tesco on it. But I don't know. It depends. I don't want to jinx it. Um, and if... If um if if people were just uh, were just kind of going oh, okay they're listening to this and going okay first I've heard of this where uh, I'll go and find out where where would you get where would they start in terms of your, your sort of video library where where should they start in the chronology so you download if, we, if we're saying this is a, a sort of a, a, a Hannah universe kind of thing yeah so you download TikTok you get sucked into the TikTok world and you, you there's lots of different realms of TikTok there's a Tesco realm there's a musical theatre realm. But look up Hannah Lowther 8 <laughs> and you'll find me. Um, I'm not eight years old. I'm 23. <laughs> but that was the only username they had. Um, and I would, to be honest, I'd just scroll down to the bottom because my most of my TikToks are Tesco related, bar one or two at the very start. Um, and I did a series, things in my Tesco job that my, my musical theatre career, I think I've done like part, up to part 11 of that. So loads of different things where I relate yeah. things uh, products we sell and stuff to quotes from musicals or songs um and then sort of the big videos that blew up were the, the tesco the musical videos so one of them um was from a, a song from tangled the disney film and then another one was um nine to five dolly parton which was sort of the big one yeah um so i'm hoping to do another one like that but it does take time so hopefully <laughs> If you stick around, I can produce another one of those at some point. <laughs> well, I, th I think it's more if you stick around, really. That's uh, yeah, that's what yeah. we that's what we need to see. True. Um, so, okay, thank you, Hannah, very much for joining us. Um, I just I was trying to think of an end there, and it's uh, it's completely gone out of my head. This see, this is how uh, this is how uh, unstagey I am. I've, I've got I've got nothing to finish off with. Um, but you're also on uh, Twitter and and uh, Instagram as well. Do you want to give us those? Yeah, I'm that? on Twitter and Instagram. I actually don't think I know my username. But if you just go to TikTok, you can basically find most of my stuff from there. But, yeah. Great. Hannah, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. The Big Interview. That was our interview with Reading's very own TikTok star, Hannah Lowther. Um, 
I feel like this question is going to fall on deaf ears. But do any of us have TikTok? I like, like Rach. Once upon a time, you and I were out on the town. We've alluded to this already. You know, we were young things out on the town, drinking oh, it up. Moons ago, yeah. You know, being like, what is it? Drinking and being merry and all that sort of thing, and just you know, karaoke and bars and you know all sorts of shenanigans. And now I just feel like I'm far too old to know what tiktok is i have downloaded oh, it. i prefer I to handwrite a list these days yeah yeah, yeah. um so is anybody familiar with tiktok i i'm not on tiktok i am only familiar with it because my friend's um 10 year old daughter has made some blinding videos to be fair right. which uh they send for our amusement and they are very funny but beyond that i did um in preparation for this podcast i did go and watch hannah's um dolly parton take yes. off for uh, tesco working nine till five yeah. it was very good shall i shall i play it shall i see if this will work shall we play it well it's, it, yeah okay. i should i should be able to play it let's see if we can do this hang on a second uh oh no wrong one here we go the the wonders of technology uh entire screen there we go let's see if you this know will that won't be able to see this though you know oh you that, will though. yes you will no, we worry. will but the listeners won't oh no but they can hear it and that's enough okay. here we go you ready here she goes good it's very good um it's good i i ended i wrote something briefly on on the interview i did i've already recorded the interview and i ended up listening to that repeatedly and i did have nine to five in my in my head a lot and then it reminded me of the woking nine to five bus which there was always a there was a, a meme of for a while and everybody said it was not real but it is real because it goes to heathrow airport oh, right <laughs> And I did once try to get a picture for it, but I got told off by my wife because we were desperately trying. We were we were running for a plane because we were a bit late, and I'd stopped to take a picture of the Woking nine to five bus. <laughs> it came out all blurry, so it wasn't it wasn't worth it at all. Anyway, like, like that anecdote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to this week's random question? Okay. The random question. This week's random question, then. Um, now, this uh, this alludes to our St. Undard earlier on. Um, one of my follow-ups to that was, uh, I demand a bank holiday, but it made me think, what in Reading needs its own bank holiday? Oh, good one. Yeah, so we like should try and get, like, 52, 52 of them so that we can have every Monday Oh, off. wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That would be great. 52 um, things in Reading that need a bank holiday. There's your um, next list, Hugh. Ready Pop Festival. It's on a bank holiday weekend, isn't it, already? 
Is it? Yeah, I can't remember now. No, no, it's not. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, doesn't it? Yes, no. Ready Pop Pop does need a bank holiday. Yes. So we could have Monday to recover, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to know what we're going to do to celebrate. um, What is it? Sundards. And. Are we, I assume we're just going to sit around and eat curry and poppadoms and onion yeah. porridges all day. I think um, a little bit like... Which the I ale- am totally on board with. Oh, yeah. No, a little bit like the ale trail. Um, there would be a curry trail around Reading and and, and all of the curry houses would have... Because um, you wouldn't have to... You wouldn't sit in for a whole meal. You'd, but you'd, you'd have... They'd have some picky bit. Obviously, this is post-COVID. Oh, uh, I love a picky, have, a picky you'd dinner. You'd have some... You'd have some like almost like a, a Sunday buffet kind of situation. Yeah, you just go along and have a, have a little scope, have a little scoop of this, scoop of that. Oh, move on to walk on to the next one. Oh, how good would that be? I've got it oh. all planned. I've got it all I planned. Could, I could go with that. Yeah, that would be oh, a totally get on board. That'd be a that'd be a great way to uh, to spend a uh, to spend a Sunday afternoon walking around Reading having bits of curry. I think I I think I think we should have a an escape room bank holiday. So because there's what five or six escape rooms in Reading. So you should have a bank holiday weekend where you can go and do them all. Yeah. I've never That'll done be, one still. Have you not? Oh, no. They're great. There, there was as many as that. Five. Yeah, there's, there's, I think there's there's four or there's definitely four or five. There's obviously there's the one next to the walkabout, uh Time Trap, who we've had on the show a few times. There's one on Castle Hill. Um so there's a there's a couple of others as well, which I, I, I've, off the top of my head I can't remember, but it's definitely, definitely. Go on then, Hugh. What's yours? Uh, I'd like to see a bank holiday to mark the start of the cricket season because the Monday after I play my first game, I always feel awful. Um, <laughs> I can't move. My shoulders, my shoulders are grinding away in the most horrible fashion, and quite often I spend most of the day getting cramp. So um, if we can have, basically. So I can have the day off and recover from what is what is a fairly tame game of village cricket. To be honest, <laughs> um, that would be uh, that would be marvellous. Last weekend in April as well, so you, you get that one, and then you could just get oh, the yeah. May Bank holiday almost straight away afterwards. So uh, when you get two in May, so this is edging ever closer to my let's yeah, have one every week plan. Yeah. <laughs> although, although I don't think one just to suit Hugh is quite, quite fair. Well, it's any wait cricketers, to, isn't it? Really. Wait, wait till I'm in charge, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! You better we start being nice to me. We thought it was bad now. <laughs> Rach, well, I know we came up with a couple yesterday, but I've, I didn't write any of them down. So um, that was, that was good of me. This party um, meeting, which I didn't didn't attend clearly went well tom for you for the, for considering you can't remember anything <laughs> anything you came up with for the second week in a row yes um, you were making no i remember you saying i'm just writing that down about a few things you just were selective about yeah, what I, you I, thought I, was relevant I clearly, I clearly didn't um <laughs> were you doing were you doing pretend writing yes well i was thinking maybe we could have a street food bank holiday weekend uh which would be which would be amazing or um some sort of uh some sort of what was i thinking of um oh yeah some we've got a couple of burger places as well like a burger weekend bank holiday that would be that would be great too a big festival of burgers so what you're saying tom is you just want to spend every single weekend stuff in your face 
It's, yeah, it's not have much all been different. food related, Tom, so far. It's not much different to most of my weekends as it as it goes. So, <laughs> what about uh, like you can have an emergency bank holiday in the summer if it gets a bit hot? Oh, yes. So you should be yes. like, it's a bit hot. Take a day off. <laughs> yeah, what if we have a really hot run though, like we did this this summer? Like you've got like, to have a cut off if it goes above what. 30. <laughs> it goes above 25. Yeah, if it goes above a nice balmy 23, then we want to have a day yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, another religious festival, like maybe uh, Easter 2 or post Christmas. <laughs> Is that not Boxing Day? No. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, pre Christmas. So pre Christmas, you could have it like in about September and it could just be like you know, celebrate when shops start putting their um, Christmas displays up. Oh, my God, that'd be August. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Um, okay. That is, I think, pretty much it for this week. Um, we'd love to hear your own bank holiday ideas. Uh, see what you can come up with. Let us know. Um, in the meantime, here is Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That is enough for this week. We'll be back with more next week. Whether I will be here or not, we don't know. Rach, you may well be in charge of the big ship. God, we're saying that every week at the minute, yeah, and I'm getting are. more nervous with each mention of it. Well, also, I'm not here, so. But you will I'm be here, won't you? Flying you are solo. here, you're back. You're back. No, I'm not back, I'm away. I'm you back on Thursday. In the last planning meeting we had, you said you were back. No, I'm not back. Awkward. You definitely said, because you said the days you were away. The, no, I'm sure we were... said I'm here this week and not next week. You said you'd be back in time for next week. No, no, I didn't. You, you did check the dates with Sharona yeah. and said, oh, yeah, actually, it should be okay. Yeah, you did. I think we're coming back on Thursday. That's not what you said the other week. Anyway, it's probably not <laughs> yeah. one for the podcast. <laughs> no, probably cut not. all that bit out. <laughs> nah. Uh, it's all, it's all oh, content. recording. I didn't even realise. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, so... guys, it'd just be me sat here talking to myself, That's which is right. what I do all day, most yeah. days, That's anyway. Right. So I can involve um, the cat or... <laughs> something i don't know if you have any suggestions for people we could interview please do get in touch although maybe don't bother for a week or so um (laughs) but and if you have a moment please give us a rating on your podcast app and submit a lovely review if you can i will be back maybe next week (laughs) for more reddingy podcast goodness bye Bye. are you not saying bye Hugh? oh (laughs) ta-ra You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast.
again. <laughs> Strong active leadership. Chaos with Ed Miliband. <laughs> <laughs>